Blog Talk Radio. The headlights are a cut in the fog on a midnight highway. And 18 wheels are a driving through the dawn. There's a Blue Ridge Mountain sunrise filling the mirrors And the ashtray's full, the coffee's almost gone And the truckers heading west to Colorado Passing the miles with his friends on the CB coast And tonight the truck stops somewhere out in nowhere And tomorrow's the wind and the open road And I believe he's gonna drive that rig to glory And I believe I feel the freedom in his story Riding that diesel wine Chasing that long white line Dropping that load on time And he's going home Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Interactive Internet. I'm your host, Pete Carr. Welcome to our regularly scheduled Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening show. And I see that uh, Lou has shown up and uh, is online listening to the program. Hi, Lou. Hey, Pete. You, How's it uh, going you today? In here? Huh? How's it going today? Uh, not bad, not bad. I'm over in uh, Vandalia, Illinois, folks, and I am heading west on I-70 to Colorado. Just like right now, I've got about a 15 mile an hour headwind. That should be dying. That should be dying down uh, here pretty soon. It's uh, it's getting on to sundown here in uh, Illinois, and. Uh, it's about 40 degrees out. Now, this is really unusual because I have been up in uh, Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, and then over to uh, over to Pennsylvania, up into uh, Massachusetts and New York State. And, of course, last week we had the, uh, the, the well below zero weather and then... Uh, getting a little milder towards this week, and it is all the way up to about 45 degrees here in Vandalia. And that's about 55 or 60 degrees warmer than what it was last week. It was well below zero last week. And, uh, Lou, you've been getting some cold weather down there in Florida, too, haven't you? Mainly cold at night. Uh, we had a couple days where it didn't get real warm during the day, but I guess today wasn't bad. Well, when I came out, I, I needed my jacket, but um, it got probably in, in the low 60s. So, yeah, for us, that would be cold, considering we normally run anywhere from 70 to 90. Yeah, yeah. She's down in Central Florida, folks. Yeah, but the, you know when when you get up when you get up at seven o'clock in the morning and it's only thirty nine degrees, 
it makes you wonder if you didn't wind up in the wrong state somewhere during the night that you weren't aware of. Yeah, it, it does get cold in Florida in the wintertime, folks. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, Lou, I was telling you the other day that um, just over on the north and west side of Atlanta, uh, I believe it was Friday, they had uh, they had black ice for the morning commute, and that must have been a nightmare. Wow. Yeah, I... Um, I, I usually run Atlanta, folks, so I know what the roads are like. Um, uh, Interstate 20 going east into Atlanta, from the west side of Atlanta, it is just bumper to bumper, 6, 7, 8 o'clock. could not imagine being out there on black ice. Mm-hmm. I drove on uh, black ice once in my life, and I don't ever want to do it again. Yeah, it seems like, you know, the South has been really getting a lot of uh, bad weather lately. Uh, and lately, I mean, in like the past four or five winters, it's been bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Brian, Brian was down there last winter. I believe it was last winter. And he got stuck over on the southeast side of uh, Atlanta because of the snow and everything. Mm-hmm. They've had some, some pretty horrendous snow uh you know, I understand, folks, if Atlanta, Georgia is the south, they don't have snow plows like they do up in Wisconsin, Minnesota, or Illinois, or what have you. So they're not, they're not ready for all that. They have to cut snow plows down from, you know, from I-75 north, Ohio, Michigan, um, maybe Kentucky. They, they actually run snow plows south to, uh, help Georgia Department of Transportation out when they get a big snowfall like that. Anyway, and they don't have the sand they don't have the sand and salt to go with it either. No, they don't. No. Which in some ways is good because I just washed uh, I just washed a bunch of road grime off of my track and trailer and that was um, about seventy dollars for truck and trailer wash and it looked terrible. It, it was just all, you know, up there in the northeast, they used a lot of salt, and uh, it really looked bad. But, so I did get it washed. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, let's see, what else do we have? Because I do have a, a major topic for today. Is there anything else going on in the news that, that we should be talking about outside of... Uh, you know, we we had um, a terrorist attack in Paris uh, a week ago Friday, and a lot of world leaders got together last Sunday and and had a uh, a unity rally uh, to show support for for the people of France and all that. There were fifty some odd world leaders there. Uh, of course, our world leader did not show up. And I saw just a little while ago, and I retweeted it, that Bob Schieffer from CBS, he's he's kind of a liberal um, commentator, he is questioning why Barack Obama or a senior official did not not attend this uh, this unity rally. And then on the other hand... um, Valerie Jarrett, the White House, you know, 
the, the, the shadow president, said that it was a parade. It wasn't a unity rally. It was a parade. That's, that's pretty bad. Anyway, uh, to follow up on that, this past week, uh, Secretary of State John Kerry went, went to France and to show solidarity with the people of France, he brought the singer-songwriter James Taylor along with him to sit down and serenade the French people with the James Taylor hit, You Shot a Friend. You know, world leaders march in, in unity. And what does the United States do? They send James Taylor. Well, the fact that they sent John Kerry. Hello. Yeah, I'm going to start calling him John Kumbaya Kerry. <laughs> that works. And James, you've got a friend, Taylor. Everybody, left, right, and center, um, foreign and domestic folks, everybody is nailing you. John Kerry for doing this. Uh, I can't I can't come up with words in any language that I'm familiar with. Nope. Very, very poor judgment all the way around. Starting at the top and working down. Yeah. Anyway, um, Let's see, do we have any celebrity, celebrity passions this week? I don't we remember anybody. That we might have missed. Let me just kind of I, go through real quick because I want to get everything else out of the way in order to do our topic. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just kind of go into Google News real quick and see if I see it. I think we've got, I think we pretty much got everybody. I know, um, oh, this says, uh, Greg Pitt, Bravo, reality TV star, train in Burbank. Um, Woman in uh, in Phoenix gave birth to quadruplets, and then she passed away. That was, Who was that? Uh, that it, it was a woman in a woman in Phoenix that gave birth to quadruplets. Ah, and and the mother, the woman, passed away. Huh. That's yeah. too bad. Yeah, young woman too. Some kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, let's see now. Dallas Taylor, um, a drummer best known for his work with the folk group Crosby, Stills, Nashville. He was 66 years old. Hmm. Okay. I don't know if there was here that we might have. Still looking. 
couple of great football players, not uh, not any big, big name, you know. No, I don't see anything. Okay. Erica Morales is the uh, lady that uh, passed away after giving birth today. I posted a picture on Twitter. And there was a group of Nigerian women carrying basically AK-47s. And the, um, the original caption was that these Nigerian women were armed and ready to take on Boko Haram, the Muslim extremist group that has been plaguing Nigeria. You know, just in the last week, there was a whole village. There was 2,000 people got wiped out by Boko Haram. And apparently the, the Nigerian people are taking matters into their own hands and arming themselves in a fight against uh, these Muslim extremists. Well, anyway, we have a group here in the United States that's called Every Town USA, Every Town or Moms Demand. They are anti-gun people. They are anti-Second Amendment people. And there has been... Uh, a controversial uh, back and forth between the anti-gun groups and the open carry groups, in particular uh, open carry Texas or open carry Tarrant County, Texas. So what happens is that the open carry people bring rifles and shotguns into local grocery stores simply because they can't. They're, they're trying to make the statement, yeah, it's an open carry state, so that's what we're going to do. They're bringing long guns into groceries. And some of the people from Moms Demand or Every Town, the Mike Bloomberg, former mayor of New York, backed group, uh, have been taking photographs of all of this and complaining to Kroger and all the other stores about their um, open carry. Uh, guidelines for their particular store. Anyway, what I've been doing is under the hashtag gun sense, I have been posting pictures of open carry people, um, military people, mainly military employees. And you know, Lou, some of the some of the all right, when I say gun sense, these are anti gun people. So when I say the gun sense people, I'm talking about anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment people. Some of the gun sense people, when they see a picture of a plane cars cop or, you know, a lot of times the sheriff's deputies will, will wear like a, a dark blue pant with a tan uh, polo shirt and have their shield uh, embroidered on the shirt. And then they have their you know, their sidearm and their handcuffs uh, side up. Some of the gun sense people say that the police should not be armed, that the police should not carry weapons. Excuse me? Yeah. So anyway, I've been, I've been posting these pictures, and I posted the picture last night of a group of Nigerian village women carrying guns, and I said, here are gun sense, here's Here's some more open carry. Nigerian women 
um, arming themselves to defend against Boko Haram. That picture flooded a gun sense hashtag last night. I could not believe how many people retweeted that post. Just every other tweet that I saw under the hashtag gun sense was that picture that I posted. Mm. Well, and then somebody, you know, somebody messaged me earlier today and said, well, that's a desolate third world country. That's not a relatively safe first world country like the United States. And, you know, the guy's right, Lou, because for the rest of the world, for a lot of the world, if you look at it, the places where these Muslim extremist groups are the most active are the places where the citizens are not armed. Very little and practically no police or military presence. So these people are forced by necessity to to either be slaughtered or to defend themselves. And I said, you know, this brings up a good point. Does the Second Amendment to the Constitution deter in the United States? Is that a deterrent against uh, terrorist aggression in the United States? I believe it is. And when we go back to the start of World War II, there was a famous Japanese admiral that said if they were to invade the United States, that there would be a rifle behind every blade of grass. So the, the Japanese Imperial Army and Navy in World War II decided that invading the United States mainland would not be a good idea, and that was never brought up. And simply because we have the Second Amendment to the Constitution that says Americans are are uh, allowed to keep and bear arms. We have that lawful right. And they knew that in the 1940s. And, and determined the strategy of World War II imperialist plan. They took that under consideration. You know, by and large, when you look at it, now you don't see a whole lot of people carrying guns in this country. Yeah, you have the open carry people who are trying to make a point. And I think, you know, and I've said this before, they made their point a long time ago. Need to be in, interfering with people, you know, continuing to open carry and grocery stores. But that's just my opinion. I'm not taking a gun sense opinion. I'm taking the opinion that at what point do you quit? You know, on the other hand, every town and monster man is still harassing Kroger online for Kroger's position of that they will abide by the local regulations when it comes to open carry in their stores. They still haven't given up on Kroger yet, Lou. Mm-hmm. Even yesterday, 
I, I saw Shannon Watts, the founder and, and leader of Moms to Man. I saw one of her tweets aimed at Kroger's position. Yeah, we're talking about months, Blue. No, not even months. More than months. Because a lot of this stuff happened last spring summer. And Kroger said they will continue their strong policy of going by local jurisdictions, rules and regulations concerning the carrying of weapons. They're not giving in the moms to man. They told them that months ago. And moms to man still hasn't given up on it. On the other hand, the open carry people are still going out and, you know, they go to the same store month after month and, and carry weapons. Okay, you do it two or three times, you made your point, now go do something else. That's the way I look at it. But my main point today, has the Second Amendment to the Constitution deterred terrorism in the United States? That's the question I'm throwing out there, folks. I believe that it has. You know, you don't see the Canadians coming up over the border with their with their weapons. And even the Mexicans and the OTMs, which, which are uh, that's other than Mexico, OTMs are not coming here with weapons. They're coming here with the desire to work and make money. They are invading our country, yes, but they are doing it for economic reasons. They're not bringing guns. Because they know it would be stupid to bring guns in this country because we already have them. The general population has firearms. So what do you think, Will, of, of what I have put out there so far? Well, still think she needs to be shut down. I've been saying that right along. You're All she's doing is... You're, you're talking about yes, Shannon Watts. I'm talking about Shannon Yes. The, the anti-gun group wants that. Okay. You right. have to clarify, clarify it for the folks that, that are not familiar with the, with their their group. That's all. Okay. Sorry about that. Right. But she, yeah, she does I, I need know. to be shut down because all she's doing is causing trouble. And she goes out of her way to cause trouble. She doesn't look at a, a situation and think it through. She just immediately jumps. Can I get something real quick? Can I get something real quick here? Shannon Watts goes out of her way to to cause trouble. Well, Mm -hmm. actually, Lou, actually, Lou, Shannon Watts works for Mike Bloomberg. This is her job in life is to interject herself into other people's business. She's getting paid to do this now. So she's not going out of her way. She's doing her job. Yeah, well. Yeah, and Bloomberg yeah, paying for it. I see what you mean, but originally she did it. Yes, you're but right. She, 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 did go. she is pointing at people. Okay, the police forces, the military. They guard us. They help us. They take care of us. So we're supposed to be completely and totally defenseless so that she can have her bodyguards, but nobody else can have anybody take care of them? Yeah, that's right, folks. Um, Shannon Watts showed up last uh, last fall at the annual NRA convention in Indianapolis, and 
she was protesting the NRA. All the while, Shannon Watts had armed bodyguards, what Lou is referring to. She also had uh, a march across the Brooklyn Bridge earlier last uh, last fall, too. And, of course, when you have a public parade, you have the benefit of the New York City Police Department guiding you along. So it's okay for Shannon Watts to have armed guards, but it's not okay for you and I as a citizen to protect ourselves with a firearm. Or have the police protect us or the military protect us because she thinks they should get rid of those guns. They shouldn't have them. Only she should have them. She's the only one that should have her bodyguards. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, she's much more important than you or I. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, but I have completely and totally no use for her. Well, you should go, if nothing else, go to Twitter and go through the gun sense hashtag. Just, you know, in your Twitter search box, type in gun sense, one word. But you know, I get very angry and very vocal and very opinionated and... A lot of times, it's just best for me to completely stay away from some of that stuff. Timeline, you know, what I posted, you'll see the picture uh, of the Nigerian ladies, and you'll see a couple of other um, tweets that I that I referenced uh, with gun sense and all that. And then you're going to see another one that is a reprint. Somebody else, you know, posted this. It is a picture, and it says truth on the top. It's Shannon Watts back sometime in 2014 saying that um, her and Mike Bloomberg's intent is to get rid of all of the guns in the United States by any means necessary. So she admits that there you know, their ultimate goal is to remove firearms from the public in the United States and do it by any means necessary, which means basically um, revoking the Second Amendment, you know, repealing the Second Amendment. Now, understand, folks, the way our laws and our Constitution is written, the Second Amendment to the United States can be revoked. There is a process to do that. You know when we had um, when we had the One Amendment uh, prohibition back in the early 1900s, uh, and then uh, in the 1930s it was revoked. So, so there is a process that the states and the federal government have to go through to revoke an amendment. They can revoke any of them. Uh, but basically, the first, third, fourth, and fifth. Uh, are the primary ones, and those are not going to get, the Second Amendment is not going to be repealed. We know that. Uh, so how can Shannon Watts, every town, Mike Bloomberg, and Mom's there, how can they take guns away without repealing the Second Amendment? They can't do it. They can't do it. They're trying to do it little by little, you know, saying, okay, magazines, uh, 
that that hold more than ten rounds, you know, we're going to ban them, and we're going to ban this, and we're going to ban that, and they chip away at the Second Amendment by banning certain specific things inherent to firearms. In in most cases, it is magazine cap, uh, capacity. They're trying to uh, you know get smaller magazine capacity limits. Well, you know that's that's all well and good, but I can take, if they say no more than 10 rounds, I can take two 10-round magazines. I can put them back to back, whip a little bit of duct tape on them, and I can flip those things in a heartbeat. I can fire 10 rounds, flip it, fire another 10, in no time at all. You know, um, they also want to ban certain physical attributes of firearms, like pistol grips. Oh, come on, folks. They want to ban pistol grips on rifles because they say it makes it look like an assault weapon. Well, you know, depending on what I'm aiming at, it's either going to be a hunting rifle or an assault weapon. What I'm going to do with it? That's right. Am I going to kill food or am I going to kill an intruder? That's the difference between a hunting rifle and an assault rifle. Intent. I intend not to kill somebody. I intend to protect myself. There's some one of my friends every once in a while posts on on Gun Sense and Twitter. He says, "My door is not locked for my protection. It's locked for your protection." Because once you go through the door, you're in you're in the guy's house, and that makes you a target if you're there for evil. So to protect you, the door's locked. An amendment. Um, protect us from potential terrorist attacks. And like I said, I say yes. Now, let's look at a couple of examples here, mainly Chicago and D.C. Until recently, they had the most restrictive local gun rule. Columbia, you couldn't even have a rifle or shotgun or pistol in your home. It had to be stored at a gun at a gun shop in Virginia or Maryland. It was illegal in the District of Columbia to have a firearm on your premises, and there were certain exceptions to that, of course, but. Not very many. Chicago had very restricted, uh, almost the same as D.C., gun regulation. Now, if you look at those cities' crime rates, they were two of the most dangerous cities in the United States. And the murder rates in both were horrendous and still are. But crimes have changed and laws have changed. And more people are able to own firearms and possess them in Chicago and D.C. And what's happening to the crime rate is that the crime rate is going down. You know, if I'm a bad guy, and I know to hump, 
I break into their home in D.C. a couple of years ago, I wouldn't be too concerned about whether they had a firearm or not because, you know, it was illegal. So the only guns there mm-hmm. were illegal guns. Chances mm-hmm. were pretty good that the person behind the door didn't have a gun. Right. But now it's legal to own and possess firearms in the District of Columbia. Now the person is armed with that. That's going to deter me because, you know, the last thing in the world, all I'm interested in is the money, folks. I don't want to get shot. I don't want to take a chance of getting shot. All I want is the money or the valuables, and I'm out of it. So in my criminal mind, I'm thinking, okay, there's somebody home. They, they have the right to possess a firearm. Why don't I go someplace else? where they have restricted gun laws where I'm pretty sure that, you know, John Citizen will follow the law and not have a gun. And I can do whatever I want. To me, it is a deterrent. Just the knowledge that there is a potential for the person in the home to be armed. That is enough of a deterrent for me. I'll go where... To have the restrictive gun laws, where people are not allowed to have firearms, I'll go there. Why should I take a chance, Lou? Shouldn't. No. But you know that's on a personal scale, and and that's what happens when you you have a high crime rate because the criminals uh, are pretty well assured that they can break into somebody's home and they don't have to worry about that citizen being armed because that citizen is probably a good law-abiding citizen. And the criminals can just do what they want. But you put the doubt in, in a criminal's mind, is, is this homeowner armed or not? The homeowner has the legal right to be armed. Mine, and they're not going to break in. They're not going to take a chance. And if they do, they're stupid. Or they wait until somebody leaves the house, you know, when they think the house is empty. And then they get in and out before somebody comes out. But in any event, putting that doubt into the criminal's mind is a deterrent. For a minute or two here while I get a bite of my dinner, okay? Okay. Uh, I know there's lots of changes that have taken place all over. I know back in the um, 70s when we first got to New York to the town that, that my ex grew up in, we didn't have to lock doors, we didn't have to lock our cars up, nothing. We could go off shopping for three or four hours and leave the front door wide open. Just the screen door there. Never worry about anything. We were there almost 10 years. And by the time we left, we couldn't even be inside the house without having the doors locked. Now we're talking a little 35,000 population town. 
little farm area. Looking at that and looking at the big cities and the differences, if they take all the guns away from us, the criminal is going to be wide open. He's got his guns. Nobody's taken them. Everything will be wide open to him. He can go anywhere and do anything he wants. And chances are he's going to get away with it. Because if we confront him, he's going to shoot us. Pure and simple. We're going to lose no matter what. And this is what these people want. They want everybody to be so vulnerable that most of us will be afraid to go to sleep at night. And I totally disagree with it. Well, you know, and and there's something else that you brought up. You know, you're talking about police. uh, Police and then to a larger extent the military. Did you know that in the United States, the police, by law, are not required to protect them. No, they're not. That's, they're not required they're to not. give up their life for us. No. And and I'm talking about legally speaking. They are not required to put meetings and things like that. They don't have to honor your request. No, but as far as having a as far as having a cop outside your door or driving down the street, they are not obligated by law to do that. Police departments are, in general, a proactive deterrent to crime. Excuse me. They're a proactive deterrent in, in that they go around, yes. But police generally, generally operate in a reactive manner. When a crime is committed, then the police come in. They they do make patrols, yes. So in that in that sense, they are semi proactive. If you have a lot of police presence on the streets, crime the crime rate in that neighborhood is going to go down because criminals simply see them, and that's their deterrent. By and large, police are reactive. When a crime happens, then they show up. Not before, after. And as far as the military, we have a law in the book called Posse Comitatus that says the United States military cannot be used for domestic law enforcement. There has been and there are times where um, military police forces train with local police. That doesn't violate posse comitatus. If um, and and we saw this in Ferguson, Missouri. That was not national. That was not the national military that was in Ferguson, Missouri. That was the National Guard. National Guard is under the command of the of the government. They are not United States military forces. Nope. 
So it is perfectly legal, and it does not violate posse comitatus to have National Guard troops in a jurisdiction. And they are there 99% of the time when they are called into a domestic, you know, domestic being within the United States, uh, a, a domestic disturbance. They are there to augment. They don't take over in general. They do not take over the police force. They are there simply to augment or to support the local police force. They're backing them up. And that's all perfectly legal. But let's take it, you know, let's look at it on a national deal. We do away with the Second Amendment. We confiscate all of the privately held firearms in this country. Folks, we don't have enough police and military forces available to police this country. We just simply don't have the numbers anywhere near. So the only thing that we've accomplished is we've created a nation of victims. As long as the Second Amendment exists, as long as you have the right, now notice I said the right to, not the obligation. You are not obligated to own firearms. You have the right to own firearms. As long as we have the right to own firearms in this country, I believe it to be a psychological deterrent to terrorism. Without without the Second Amendment, terrorist groups could come into the United States and operate at will. And we simply do not have numbers in order to protect everybody. We couldn't stop we we couldn't stop them. You know, and and I would say that Groups of no more than 5,000 in every major city would overwhelm our country's police forces. Take a dozen cities in the United States, put 5,000 terrorists into them, into each one. And I think the police and the military would be overwhelmed. And who would be caught in the middle? The innocent civilian bystanders. You and I know yes, what happened in Paris. Paris has, uh, France has restrictive gun laws. It's not illegal to possess firearms, but it's very restrictive. Look at what happened in Paris. You know, at the Charlie Hebdo um, offices Friday before last. And then a printing shop and a bakery shop. There were 17 people killed. But, you you know, an armed civilian had taken on the terrorists? Maybe. We don't know. Because there were no armed civilians available to find out. You know, you 
look at a person carrying a firearm, plain clothes cop maybe, or or simply a person that is open carrying. And you get a little scared. You're like, you know, that guy's got a gun there. Better keep an eye on him. Well, folks, without that gun there, you're defenseless. There is no deterrent. How do you know that the person next to you isn't a potential terrorist saying, gee, that guy's got a gun. I guess I better not pull my stuff here. That individual carrying that firearm could be a deterrent and save your life, and you may never know it. You know, how often do you actually see a person carrying a gun? Not very often. When I do, it's generally like in a Walmart or something, and it is a sheriff's deputy, and you can tell because they have handcuffs and they have the embroidered badge on their polish. Or they are fully uniformed police officers of one sort or another. But just to see average people walking down the street carrying guns, I don't see that. I always assume they are there for my own personal protection. But I don't see people open carrying. All I have to do is think, you know, these people have the right to do that. And who knows, if if something starts happening out on the street, who knows what somebody has in their pickup truck or their car or whatever. You know, a whole lot of guns can appear in a heartbeat that you you wouldn't think were there. Maybe somebody has a, a concealed weapon in their car and they have a concealed weapons permit. I don't know. See, that's the whole thing. I don't know. I don't know who has a firearm or not unless I physically see it. And to me, not knowing is to be taught. But if I go to a country or a city that says you are not allowed to carry firearms, concealed or not, you're not allowed to have them at home, except under special circumstances, then I'm not going to worry about somebody shooting me because I know they don't have the legal ability to do so. So I'm just going to walk with impunity on on your streets and if I see something I want to take, I'll take it. Because I know you can't do anything. You might chase me down with a baseball bat and I can deal with that. Okay, Lou, I'm showing that we got about 10 minutes left here. Yes. So that's really five. Yeah, okay. Go ahead and give me your final thoughts on all of this for today. Well, without beating a dead horse to death, I totally disagree with everything she thinks and puts out there, pure and simple. We have the right for protection. She does not have the right to take it away, period. Short, sweet, to the point. And my other thing is, there's a, we have a sign here on um, 75. I did, 
I've seen it, but it never really registered until today. And it says, be happy, drive safely. In other words, slow down, take your time, and quit trying to beat the other guy or run him off the road. Just settle back, relax, listen to your music, have your conversation with whoever's with you. Nice, good time. And you'll get there at the same time as the guy that keeps trying to bust everybody up. Because the more power he pushes, the slower he's going to wind up going because he's going to catch all the lights and all the jams. Whereas if he stayed back and he settled down, he'd have got there in the same amount of time. And that's all I ask is everybody to just kind of slow down and think before you do something stupid. That's true. Okay, Lou, well, I uh, I certainly appreciate all of your input and the perspective um, being associated with law enforcement. But, uh, that, that gives you a personal perspective on things, and that's, uh, that's good. You know, as an experiment, I would like to see one state completely ban firearms. Completely ban them. And then I'd like to go back two or three later and see how the crime rate is. <laughs> Probably and, sky and high. See what, their, see what their murder rate is. And see how many people were killed with illegal firearms. The Second Amendment, whether you like it or not, folks, it is a deterrent. It's a deterrent against an oppressive government it's, an, it's a deterrent against uh, potential foreign adversaries, and it is a deterrent against the guy that thinks criminal is preferable to going to work every day. That is our deterrent. It is up to you to exercise your right or not. And really, I don't have a problem with a person that tells me they don't like guns, they don't want guns in the house, they don't want to be around guns. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with the person that says they don't like guns and they're going to take my right away from me. That's the person I have a problem with. You do what you want to do in your life, and I will respect that. But the moment you interfere with my right, you have become my advocate, and I'm going to deal with you. Most of the time, I'm going to laugh at you and turn away. If you try to grab for my gun, God help you, because I won't. Anyway, folks, that's the show for today. Thank you, Lou. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, And like Lou says, be safe out there. You know, life is too short. Don't worry about it. Don't don't go cutting people off. In fact, Lou, we have more of a problem with aggressive drivers than we do with aggressive people with them. Yes, we do. More people are killed in traffic accidents <laughs> than by firearms. So just calm yourself down out there, people. I work out there on them road. That's my work area. But don't come screwing around with my work area. Anyway, for listening, thank you again, Lou. Um, and we will see you all here next Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern for Mountain. 
for the interactive internet with myself, Keith Perrin. And um, I don't know where Brian is this week, Lou, but I'm going to find out here in a little bit. Anyway, and I will call you in a little bit, too. So uh, we're going to be out of here. See you next Sunday, folks. Bye-bye. Again, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. He's smiling through, just like you always do. I won't be long.